Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Ghosts of Baghdad, Marine Corps gunships on the opening days of the Iraq War. It's written by retired Marine Corps Colonel Eric Buer. And it is written in such a vivid manner that you actually feel like you're watching these conflicts in real time. This is not something that happened in a movie. This is something that happened in real life in some of the most dangerous areas along the Iraqi border and along Kuwait and all over the Middle East when nobody would knew what was going to happen in this Iraq war 20 years ago. Very pleased uh, to welcome Marine Corps Colonel Eric Buer to the program, author of the book, Ghosts of Baghdad. Colonel Buer, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the radio. Happy Independence Day. Happy Independence Day. Uh, Thanks for having me here. Glad to be with you guys. So, uh, Colonel, what made you want to write this book? Uh, Obviously, the depictions that you get into in very vivid detail, a lot of these happened about 20 years ago. Why write this book now? What are you hoping people take away from this? Well, for me, it was a, it's always been a story that has needed to be told in, you know, 20 years seems like a long time, but, uh, this was in 2003 and I would return to Iraq again in 2004, 2005. I would, I would deploy to Afghanistan later in the future and, and moves involved and everything involved in kind of a military career. But I knew it had to be told. Um, I knew I had to tell. uh, It's certainly not my story. It's a story of so many other people uh, told through my lens. But I I really couldn't wait any longer. And and I felt it was the right time to to put pen to paper and and capture these thoughts. When you use the term ghosts of Baghdad, who or what are the ghosts of Baghdad? Well, you know, nothing, nothing scars deeper than a good dose of horror. And you know, ghosts are a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, for me, uh, it, rep- it represents a lot of things. It's, uh, it, it's, a, it's just kind of it's a fear of the unknown. Um, most, of my, most of my work was done at night uh, and, and was done at night for the next several years. And night flying, uh, for those who haven't done it or for those who've done a lot of it, uh, it brings a, a completely different dynamic into flying, particularly in, into combat operations. So there's there's just a, there's a natural fear. There's a trepidation. There's a, there's a certain sense of the unknown every time you fly and launch. And uh, as the reader, you know, follows the story, I think we'll come to understand what I mean uh, by the ghosts and, and how they, how they always seek to kind of put an end to me and, and my, and my comrades. You have served in a bunch of other places. I mentioned Iraq. You mentioned Afghanistan. You've served in the Persian Gulf. You've served in Somalia. You've served in Bosnia. Later on, you served on the staff of the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Uh, what made Iraq unique in terms of the the air war there? I think most of us that uh, that weren't there and don't know necessarily a lot about the combat itself 
we think of Iraq and the Iraq war as something that was largely fought on the ground, but clearly there was no shortage of action in the air. What was the air war like in Iraq when you were there? So the air war for me and and for all of us was, it it was a war of, of, of support for us. I mean, everything we did is based on that young Marine, that young man or woman, you know, just Marine, Marine soldiers, sailors, they're serving on the ground. Um, and our job is to be there when they need us. Um, our job is to be the most prepared when, you know, we may not be the most prepared. Um, so uh, there was no direct threat. Uh, we we didn't know initially. Uh, there was a pretty robust Iraqi Air Force that was soon put to bed. Um, but the gra- Iraqi ground forces were pretty formidable, and um, and they were well aware of our presence, and they did whatever they could to prevent us supporting those on the ground. So a different kind of air war. Uh, but for us, it was one uh, in support of those Marines on the ground. You know, the thing that I'm struck by is the vivid recollections of I, I know a lot of this book takes place 20 years ago, but some of this goes back 30 years uh, to your time in Somalia. And I'm just curious how you have such an incredible recollection of what had happened. Did you keep a journal or are these events so seared into your brain that you had you had no problem putting pen to paper when writing about them? And Frank, it's it's a combination of both. There's probably three things. You know, I, I did take very detailed notes. We took very detailed notes of every mission. Um, and one of the, you know, more selfishly, one of the, the great parts about this book was I had hundreds of hours of interviews of my co-pilot, my wingman, his co-pilot, other squadron mates, uh, people I served with, uh, Marines on the ground. And then there's certainly events that just, you know, if I, if I, you know, if I close my eyes and I think about it, I, you know, I could be there right now. It just they are they are seared in your memory or tattooed somewhere back in your brain. And and you just recall them. Um, so combination of things that, um, that let me get to where I am now. What do people not the average member of the public? What do they not understand or not get right about the war in Iraq that you can kind of set us straight on? Well, I don't know that I necessarily have any, you know, really, you know, fantastic insight to the war in Iraq. I just, you know, there was a sense that we were doing absolutely the right thing. 2003 was only just 18 months after 9-11, and it's 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 almost impossible to, to remember what 9-11 was to so many. I know, you know, where you, in your great city, it's, it's, it's seared, it gets seared in your memory, it's seared in your DNA. But there was a different sense of... Uh, of kind of purpose in 2003. And so for us, you know, I, I serve at the pleasure, the pleasure of the president, and that's, that's my job as a commissioned officer in the Marine Corps. So it was both a sense of, certainly a sense of duty for us. Um, and there was a sense that we're doing something that was right. You know, it's a dictator, it's a totalitarian society, a man who's, you know, certainly used um, you know, weapons of mass destruction, though um, one of our reasons for going in, we, we didn't find what we thought we were going to find, but he certainly had a history of using those against his own people, using those against his neighbors, um, but also a sense that we were doing something right. Um, in the book, in the book, you, you also get into a bit your time in Somalia, specifically the Somali desert. When you're flying in a desert, I would think that presents a whole bunch of new challenges 
where, you know, if you're flying over non-desert land or the water may not exist. Am I right? Is flying over a desert a, a different situation than flying over over a non-desert area? It is. You know, d- deserts are their own. They're, they're their own ghosts in a lot of ways. I mean, it's 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 featureless. It's horizonless, particularly when you're flying at night. And so a desert themselves, uh, weather patterns and storms, sandstorms, things we dealt with uh, routinely, uh, make that type of flying just that much more challenging. Yeah, I, I can uh, I can imagine. What are you hoping people take out of this book? What are they What are you hoping they come away from this book with an understanding of? Well, you know, I I think number one, they have an opportunity to to step through an otherwise closed and locked door. You get an opportunity to open the cockpit, uh, step in the cockpit with me and my and my co-pilot and my wingman, and you get to live our lives for, you know, in this case, I, I capture about twenty twenty five days plus or minus from the opening night of the war until where we and you know, we finally get into the Sunni triangle and, and we, we have, a, we have an opportunity to take a breath. Uh, and it really is the end of the, of the first war in Iraq, you know, it's in 2003. So I, I think it lets, that's the viewer. I mean, the reader that is, uh, understand who I am, who we are, um, that they're, we're nobody different than they are. We're their neighbor, their brother, and we're their sons. And, uh, and we're just, we're just doing the best we can uh, at the time. Uh, Talking with uh, Colonel Eric Buer, his new book is Ghosts of Baghdad, Marine Corps Gunships on the Opening Days of the Iraq War. It's available on uh, Amazon and most places where where books are sold. I notice you did ascribe, for the most part, a gender to the ghost, and it's almost always a she. Anything uh, that we can read into that, that you made her made the ghost a woman? No, there, there, there isn't. Uh, there's nothing uh, nefarious about that. It's just, uh, you know, when, when I, you just get feelings, right? You just get ideas and senses, and that's, uh, and that's where it brought me. Um, so that's that's how I that's how I label the ghosts uh, and the ghosts in this case, and that's uh, that's what I best think describes it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, you be the book begins with a um a memo or a letter from uh general general mattis uh, the commanding general's message to all hands that he sent out in march of 2003 a lot of us got to know general mattis more as a political figure when he served as secretary of defense during the uh, trump administration what do you think of general mattis as a military leader what can you fill us in on regarding him so my interaction with him was Personal interaction was very limited, but his impact uh, it really can't be overstated. Um, he was the division commander, which he was a two-star general at the time, and he wasn't my boss or my boss's boss. He was on the on the ground side, but everyone knew him. Everyone knew uh, his place. Everyone respected him, and he had the way, or he had a, a very special way of kind of understanding why we were there. Uh, insights, uh, you know, a, a lifetime of study of history, 
Um, so he, he naturally had all of our respect. And uh, that's why I put that, I put that in there. I carried that note with me. I, he sent a note to all his, all his Marines and I, I found a copy and I kept it and I carried it with me because it said a lot. Uh, and it was very, very much what was all in our minds at the time. From now to compared to 20 years ago, it seems like there's been a lot of technological innovations in the way aerial warfare is fought. It seems like the use of drones rather than uh, manned aircraft is far more common than it was 20 years ago. There's a whole sixth branch of the U.S. military, the Space Force, uh, that uh, people are saying is going to be integral to how uh, how war is waged in the future. How do you see the future of aerial warfare going forward, not just for for our country, but around the world? So I think, you know, that uh, the nature of war is, is a, it's a battle of wills and that, that'll never change. You're right. The character of war continues to evolve. Uh, the use of drones, unmanned aerial systems uh, continues to grow. The use of cyber continues to grow. Uh, to some, the somewhat you know militarization or weaponization of space is only a matter of time. Uh, but I, there, there is nothing that can replicate uh, what people have said, you know, for millennia. It's, it's boots on the ground that are there to protect your interests, your vital interests. Um, so I don't know that that will ever change. Man flight. Um, I, I, people have probably said for probably thirty years we were going to build our last manned. And that's, you know, fighter, I, I think that's still somewhere uh, in the future. Um, it still requires, you know, human in that loop making those decisions. So I, I think as it, we continue to evolve and the, 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 the advent of drones and, and more, you know, cyber generated uh, effects, for lack of a better term, are, are gonna, it's going to grow. That'll continue to grow. But uh, I, I think it's still a battle of wills. It's, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take a lot of things to uh to field an effective force, to maintain that force, and that's going to be people, well-trained uh, young men and women who are uh, who are going to carry on what our what our nation uh, demands from them. When you see a war film or a film like Top Gun, for instance, do you enjoy it the way a regular person would, or do you say to yourself, "Oh, that's not the way a missile sounds when it's arming," or "That's not realistic. That's not realistic." Does your knowledge of this sort of thing make it more difficult for you to sort of suspend disbelief and be in awe as the rest of us might? Well, you know, movies like Top Gun are just—they're just great entertainment, and they—they're uh, so well so well written and so well uh, produced that it just it's enjoyable to watch. And when I when I watch movies I I guess movies like, you know, Black Hawk Down and you know very realistic movies. And when I watch movies like that it it uh you know it does remind me of where I've been in my past. Uh and it and they're powerful movies and they bring powerful messages. Um and, and those very realistic history driven um and they do they do have me think about, you know, again what has happened in my not so distant past, but in you know, modern military movies are always, they're a lot of fun to watch sometimes. You know, Top Gun, that's a great example. If you had to pick a, a, the most realistic modern military film that you've seen, what would it be? Would it be Black Hawk Down? Would it be Top Gun? Would it be something else? I think for me, without a doubt, it's Black Hawk Down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, having served in, in Somalia, both pre and post Black Hawk Down, um, it, it absolutely it, you you feel like you're there. You can it feels as though you can almost smell it. You can almost taste some of the dust. Um, it, it done, it's very very realistically done. The relationship between air crews and ground crews, um, 
that kind of small unit leadership that is what's going to turn the tide on any on any uh, battle is is all there. So I think that's probably for me uh, the most uh, impressive modern war film. Mm. Uh, what are you doing today for Independence Day? Well, I'll be here in beautiful Pensacola uh, celebrating with the city. Uh, I'll be downtown uh, with uh, with a great bunch of uh, veterans and active duty military and uh, and just uh, spending a quiet day. Well, I appreciate you uh, staying up late with us, and uh, I appreciate you writing this book. It gives those of us that uh, have never been to combat a a ringside seat for what it is like uh, to be in uh, in some of the most un unfathomable circumstances for all of us. And uh, thanks for your service to the country as well. Appreciate it. Thanks, Frank. Uh, happy fourth to you and all your listeners. Thank you, uh, Colonel Eric Buer. The book is Ghosts of Baghdad. Check it out on Amazon, or you can go to uh, his website as well. Uh, the website is ericbuer.com. It's on there. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment, it's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.